Another pastor from Orange County uh, writing to commend Jason and Kaylee to our church in Orange, your sister church. So six years ago, <laughs> has anyone else read this letter? No, it's just me and Jeff. I, I looked it up. I, I emailed Jeff immediately. I said, I got, a, I got a physical letter in the mail, Jeff. What do I do? Here it says, uh, dear Pastor Eric, that's me. Uh, it's been a wonderful four plus years of serving alongside Jason and Kaylee Renicky. And I was surprised at the spelling of the name then. I still am now. <laughs> Renicky. <laughs> I'll look it up later. The Lord has grown them in beautiful ways and with the arrival of their baby girl this past year. Wow, that's six years ago. It's incredible to see how God will now use them as parents. And the letter continues. Recently, Jason, I just met them, Jason shared with me concerning various theological positions that align him more with your church than ours. This is common in many churches today, I would say throughout all time. Uh, and for Jason, this will limit his trajectory and opportunities to serve as a pastor and do pastoral ministry, specifically at our church. The doctrinal differences he listed are no, by no means eternal eternal essentials, and we have no concerns with Jason and Kaylee's commitment to Christ. Now, this is what the letter says. I humbly ask that you would consider our endorsement in the following ways. And here's the list. I don't know if you remember. Did you read it this morning? You probably have it up on their wall. No. Uh, number one, Jason is a faithful servant who has consistently led small groups, mission work, youth ministry, he was busy, children's ministry, and pursued theological training. He is a show-up guy who puts his hands to the plow. In short, he's unquestionably dependable and a maker of disciples. Number two, yes. Kaylee is a joyful servant who is one of the most loving and warm individuals you'll ever meet. As a ministry teammate, she has served in numerous capacities and excels in whatever she does. Number three, they both follow and lead with humility and consideration for others. They are, number four, both eager to be useful within the body of Christ. Number five, there has never been a tangible evidence of a divisive spirit among them, nor are they quick, quick to quit. I love them deeply, this pastor wrote, and pray that they find joy in the new fellowship they'll experience at Sovereign Grace Church. And I can just say six years later, I concur. <laughs> Six years later, I'm sure you would as well, though. Everything seems to have changed. Nothing has changed. It's still wonderful, as he wrote, to serve alongside Jason and Kaylee. We love them deeply, and that's what makes this an extra special, great day. So if I could, before we proceed, uh, allow me to answer one simple question. Just briefly, one simple question this morning, a question we all must answer, especially if Cross of Grace is your church, your home church. Here it is, if I could. How, beginning today, should you think about, and this is fun, Pastor Jason? How should you think about Pastor Jason? If you'd grab a Bible, if you have a Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. You can Google it if you didn't bring a Bible, just Google 1 Corinthians 1, Corinthians chapter 4. Just one verse this morning, one question, one well, with two answers, two-part answer. The translator heading you'll notice there reads, the ministry of apostles, and just to 
just to alleviate any fears, we're not, Jason's not becoming an apostle this morning. Um, but we can extrapolate from, the, from this, this uh, one verse principles that apply that are transferable both to Jason, all the pastors, and you might say to all of us. How should we think about our pastors and church leaders? This is something Christians have needed to answer since the beginning, something every member of every church is already answering. You must answer it. How should we think about Pastor Jason? How should, <laughs> what about Jason? Here it is. Chapter 4, verse 1, I'll read and just pray briefly for understanding. Paul writes, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Let me read that one more time. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Would you pray with me? Father, these are familiar words. They're your words. I pray you would imprint them on our hearts and you would give us new lenses in which to see, in particular, our pastors and church leaders teach us, change us. And Lord, I pray, especially for the one who has a complicated relationship with current and past pastors and church leaders help us all to see your son's love and care and provision as we celebrate your gift of a new pastor we pray in jesus name amen it's raining now i don't know about you listen i don't know about you but one of the favorite things i i like to talk about if you know me you probably know this about it, is how much something costs it's like a preoccupation. Always thinking, how much is something worth? I, I want to estimate the value, appraise things. I want to guess the price. Recent inflation has only made this uh, game more interesting. There are entire game shows built on this, aren't there? Like the price is right. There's the Antique Road Show if you're a fan. There's American Pickers. We all want to know what it costs, what, what things are worth or not worth. Like I learned about on Christmas Day, I learned that some people pay $40, $50, $60 for a Stanley Cup, which if you flip over looks just like my dad's thermos when he was a carpenter years ago that he bought for just a few dollars. It's just a cup, right? It's getting out of hand. Listen, but what, in my opinion, one of the best things that ever happened to our smartphones, the phone that's in your pocket, uh, was and is the Zestimate. Do you know what the Zestimate is? The Zestimate. It's Z Zillow, the, the company Zillow and its app, it's a proprietary value estimating algorithm, right? I love the estimate. You gotta download this after the service, not now, but after the service. It enables you to pull up on your phone and with just a click or two, you can determine exactly what a property is worth. Any home, anytime, on my walk, in the morning, in Santa Ana, in Old Town Orange, while enjoying a meal that I've been invited over to my neighbor's house, I can know how much my neighbor's house is worth <laughs> by just quick slipping it up on my phone. Even your own home. It's the end of the day, you've worked hard, you're laying in bed, and you're wondering, what is my house worth today? Not yesterday, I don't want to know what it was worth last month or when I bought it. I want to know what it's worth right now as I'm going to bed. You click the buttons like satellites overhead, like, you know, beam down, tractor beams down, and Zillow crunches all the facts. And within seconds, you're served up on your screen a Zestimate, a dollar amount. Exactly how much you should think. <laughs> the home is worth, its value, 
and how your home or whatever home you are zestimating compares with all the other homes. Feeding my need, potentially your need to know what is this worth? How should I think about it? We do this all the time with all kinds of stuff, but in particular this morning I want to point out even people. Even people, we estimate who they are and how they fit into the bigger picture, how they measure up, how they compare, how, how we are to relate to them, how we are to value them, what is their worth. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is dealing with here in our verse as he engages with some of the very first Christians in Corinth who are evaluating, they're estimating their leaders. They're estimating their leaders. As he wrote just a few paragraphs earlier in this letter, he's speaking of his, of, of his contemporaries who the Corinthian church was familiar with, and he says, what is Apollos? He's estimating. What is Paul? Speaking of himself. How should we think about Pastor Jason? What is Pastor Jeff, who I now call senior, senior pastor, Mr. Pastor Jeff? <laughs> How are we to regard them, Kyle, Jeff, Jason? How are we to reckon them, count them, understand them, value them? At, at the time, listen, at the time this letter was written, many Christians had many different ways of estimating what a pastor is and, and what their worth was and who they were. Who they, were. They, they, had, they, had, they had estimated and, and uh, critical judgments even about the apostles, some, some judged, back then, first century, some judged the leader, leader by his speaking abilities. How, how well could he speak in public? Others, the leader's physical appearance. That'd be a scary one for me. Some by the size of the crowds. How many people are following this guy? How full is the room? Some, some by the expressions of their spiritual gifts and how God has empowered them, particularly spectacular spiritual gifts, who they knew, their connections, their credentials, their degrees. Some even by the subjects they tended to address, as in the more controversial or speculative, the more critical, the more anti-whatever, the better. Which sounds familiar, doesn't it? Nothing new under the sun. But here, here near the end of Paul's extended ex defense of his own ministry and by inference ours as well, Paul speaks plainly in summary. He says that this is how you are to regard those whom God calls to lead and teach and care for and protect and pastor us, including myself, because I have pastors too. I have to do this as well. So two categories. Two categories, not exhaustive, but very substantial. Two biblical categories, two considerations on how we must regard and focus this morning Pastor Jason, Pastor Jeff, Pastor Kyle. Here it is. Regard him as a servant of God and regard him as a steward of the mysteries of God. Regard your pastors, Jeff, Kyle, and now Jason, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Let me explain. First, very briefly, servants of Christ. Servants of Christ. Notice pastors are servants. We all know that. Servants, they aren't masters or lords or kings. Uh, they're not chief executive officers of this thing we call the local church. A pastor's identity is wrapped up in one, the one in whom they find their purpose and meaning. They are servants of Christ. And note, this is very important, note, Paul doesn't state that pastors are servants of the church. 
which is in many ways, practically speaking, what pastors are. They serve the church. But no, Paul here is making a huge point. Pastors and church leaders are first and foremost servants of Christ. I actually spoke to a pastor recently, unrelated church, and he was talking about how awkward it is when pastors are the ones put in charge of the really big decisions, like financial decisions, vision decisions, like who should be the leaders, uh, those kinds of things, delegation, etc. And why was it awkward? He, he, he reasoned because if the pastor... If the pastor is not a volunteer pastor, but, but, but compensated by the church, if the pastor is an employee of the church, he argued, if he's an employee of the church, how can an employee make these kinds of big leadership decisions when he works for us? Not the other way around. And I, I, I knew what he was saying, I understood, but still, Paul begs to differ. Your pastors, and one of your pastors is an employee and certainly there must be held all of them accountable to the church, but let's be clear, we must not regard them not as our servants among us to do our biddings, our employees. No, as you ordain Jason, as you point your finger and call him out, you're saying we recognize that he is a servant of Christ among us. This perspective on, on our pastors helps us not to overvalue what we should expect from Jason, or any of your pastors or church leaders, they aren't, you know, big bull guys who kick butt, right, take names, fight, fight the man, and, you know, build an ambitious organization. No, no, they can be some of that, some of them, and, they, and they're not the ones that just help us so that we don't just spin our wheels, like keep us, like community organizers, right? And, there are, and this perspective also helps us from not undervaluing them as if He's just the master of the universe and his domain, the one whom everybody finds their meaning as a local church, all-powerful, unchanging, invincible, indestructible, yet gentle and lowly, right? God. No, he works for, he works for the chief shepherd himself, who's the best boss of all. Think of all the resources your pastor has at his disposal if he serves Christ, if he's a servant of Christ. In many ways, he represents Christ among you and his heart for you. This is why a visit from a pastor in your darkest hour, right, you're in hospital or something like that, can make all the difference. Not because of anything they do or say, but because of who they represent. Fundamentally, Jason is a servant of Christ. That's what you're saying this morning. The accent lies on the latter, and this is how you should see him and them, not as employees, not management, right? Not celebrities, not masters, not the C-suite, right? Not even the face of the church, their personality, but just servants of who? Christ. Second, and this might, this might be my all-time favorite description of a pastor, not, both because of what it means and because of how it sounds. Listen, Paul says, regard them as stewards of the mysteries of God. The mysteries of God. Notice again, if you're looking at that sentence there, stewards. The first word there, stewards. Pastors and church leaders have been entrusted with something. And what is that something? Second term, big term there, the mysteries. That's what I love about this. The mysteries. Listen, in the New Testament, 
In the New Testament, the word mystery doesn't necessarily mean what you think it means, or what we normally use mystery for, as in something that's hard to understand or that is magical or hidden or something like that. The word mystery here simply refers to something that was once unknown, undetected, previously unnoticed. We couldn't connect the dots if we tried, hidden in plain sight, but now revealed like an apocalypse, a revelation. It's all over our Bibles. Let me just list a couple for you. Mark writes, the mysteries of the kingdom of God, the mystery of Christ, the word mystery is all over your Bibles, the mystery of the gospel, God's secret wisdom, the mysteries of faith, the mysteries of godliness. Mystery is a common biblical word referring to things that God has revealed to us and in particular to in particular, God's plan to save sinners like you and I through Jesus and his gospel. That's what this mystery is. These mysteries are a mission that transcends all other missions, decreed before there was time. You've been studying Ephesians, long hidden from human perception, but now openly preached. These are the mysteries of God in the fullness of time. At the right moment, God himself appeared, entered our world, and oh, it's... It's why I love the opening lines of Hebrews so much, if you know it. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, the writer of Hebrews says, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets, but in the last days, he has spoken to us through a son. And who would have thought that? Nobody expected it. And then he, the writer of Hebrews says, and after making purification for sins, no one expected that. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, the mysteries of God. The mysteries of God, a message of hope and life disclosed in history by Christ himself to be perceived spiritually, not intellectually, not primarily intellectually in your head, but spiritually. Such a mystery that even as it is revealed, when all the dots are connected and we can see it and understand it still, it can overwhelm us with an appreciation for God's wisdom and knowledge, how beautiful it is from the end to the beginning. That's, that's why Paul would write to the Colossian church. He'd write that, that your hearts might be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery mystery, and this is what he says, which is Christ. Stewards of the mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You see, this is how we are to regard Pastor Jason. Not as a guy who has all the answers, but the one who is stewarding those answers for you. Protecting them guarding them. That's what a pastor does. Ensuring that they're front and center in the life of your, your, your personal life and the life of the local church. If you miss this, you, you'll overestimate the value of your pastor. You begin to think that your pastor is what you need. Right? Your pastor is what you need. His wisdom, his knowledge, his skills, his creativity, his personality, his powers of persuasion. But on the other hand, you can underestimate and undervalue his role that, that he plays in your life and in the life of your church. Think of him no more than an option among many, like a buffet of options, voices, influences that you can invite into your life. You know, online or a book, a YouTube channel, <laughs> coaches therapists and the like, as if they are all co-equal, the same options you can select from. It, think this way and you underestimate who your pastor truly is. Pastors are, and this is true of 
Jason and Jeff and Kyle, this is what qualifies them in part. They are men who have discerned spiritually, spiritually discerned the mysteries of God. They have been entrusted with spiritual understanding as my favorite Puritan, the old Puritan, Jonathan Edwards said, spiritual understanding primarily consists in this sense or taste of the beauty of divine things. What, what is spiritual understanding? What, what makes it different from this, like a speculative or you might, whatever, a theoretical or an intellectual understanding? Edwards, Edwards writes on this. He says, this spiritual understanding of the mysteries of God consists in a sense of the heart. It's not just in the head, but the heart of the supreme beauty and sweetness of the holiness, the, the moral perfection of divine things, the mysteries, together with all that discerning and knowledge of things of the faith and how we are to live and wisdom and knowledge, uh, that it all flows from the gospel. Is that not what you have discerned in Jason's life? I, I have. This is how we're to think of Jason and his wife, Kaylee, stewards of the greatest news that Jesus lived and died and rose and now reigns for all of us who are being saved. Foolishness to the world, beautiful and glorious to us who have spiritual understanding. The very fact, listen, the very fact that Jason, that Jason and all pastors are just people, men with strengths and weaknesses, limitations, brokenness, who sin and are sinners, that only makes this mystery more compelling. In the church, there are no super-Christians. There are no super-Christians, just Christians, some of whom serve God by stewarding the gospel which shines ever more brightly on account of the men that he ordains. And we recognize and agree. You're never going to meet a perfect pastor who pastors perfectly and who ticks off all of your preferences. I'm not. Jason's not. They're not. But that's not what we're looking for this morning. Our standard is God's standard, which Jason is called to and you and I are affirming this morning faithfulness to this task. Does the man serve himself or is he serving Christ? Is this man stewarding his wisdom and knowledge and technical skills or is he a steward of God's mysteries? And I'm just so pleased. I'm going to pray. I'm so pleased to report that by God's grace, the pastors of all the other sister churches throughout the United States would agree with you and your pastors that this is how we are to think of Jason. Servants of Christ and a steward of the mysteries of God. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your words that you don't leave us to ourselves when it comes to evaluating and thinking and estimating the worth of our pastors and church leaders. Help us, help us to, oh, to trust you as we receive a shepherd, to listen to you 
as your shepherd speaks. To follow where you would lead us by leading Jason and Jeff and Kyle. What a delight it is to be your flock. What a delight it is to be given the gift of a pastor who knows our names and lives for you and so lives for our good. We rejoice in Jesus' name. Amen.